Welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope with Advanced Grief Recovery Specialist Holly Gainsborough and Creative Grief Coach Elizabeth Catagnani. Here you'll find support, wisdom, stories, and practical tools for your unique healing journey. This is where grief and hope coexist and empower us as we heal and grow. And now, your hosts, Holly and Elizabeth. Hi, everyone. It's Holly Gainsborough, Certified Advanced Grief Recovery Specialist with Golden Heart Grief Support and Education. I'm so excited to be here with you today and looking forward to sharing this episode with you alongside my co-host, Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey there. It's Elizabeth Catagnani, a Certified Creative Grief Coach with Her Creative Wellness. And we're so happy to have you here today with us. We're going to be discussing the five stages of grief and myths surrounding those five stages, as well as what to say and what not to say uh, when someone is grieving. So we look forward to getting into our show today. So we'll jump right in and talk about those five stages of grief. Um, Elizabeth, as you know, we've talked about this several times. When those five stages of grief were created, and we're gonna go over what those stages are, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. They were created by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross for the terminally ill. So I always say to people, as we talk about those stages, to put a big X through them and put the letters BS, and not the curse word BS, but belief system. What are our belief systems? And many of us have been taught about these stages of grief when, in fact, again, as I said, they were not intended for the bereaved because grief isn't linear. And as we move through our grief, it can be messy. And so the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance were really not created for those who are grieving. They were created, as I said, for the terminally ill. And so I'm going to pass this over to Elizabeth, and she's going to break down those stages for us. So... With starting with denial, um, I will say that in all the times that I've sat with people coping with loss in the widows groups that I've run, uh, I've never seen anyone in denial. <laughs> uh, people come because they are, they have realized and believed that their loved one has died and they have, they have, they are there to um, work through their grief surrounding the death of their loved one. And so that's just something that I've never witnessed personally. And I, I'd love to hear if you've experienced that and anyone that you've helped. But I, I think that, you know, when people come to a support group or they're going to therapy or they're, or they're struggling with grief, there's, there's no question about, has my loved, why, you know, my loved, has my loved one died? Are they really gone? And they're like, no, they are gone. And now I'm trying to figure out how to cope with that. Yeah, and so what I say, especially in my workshops or working with clients, is yeah, many times grievers, myself included, after Stephen died, is this sense of disbelief. I'm not denying that Stephen died. I saw him. You know, I had a funeral for him. I buried him. But the disbelief of, I can't believe he's not here. I can't believe this is happening. So not denying it happened, but this sense of, and I think all grievers and the grievers that I certainly have spoken to get into that space of disbelief. I can't believe it. I can't, how did this, how did this happen? I can't believe this happened. So for me, I always replace the word denial with disbelief. 
Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. I think that's the perfect word. Um, because I think, you know, our human brains, our minds just can't possibly comprehend someone just not suddenly existing anymore, you know? So there's just such a surrealness to it, to where you can say, okay, this is very, just almost ethereal. Like, how, how can this possibly be that I can't ever see or talk to this person again or hold them again? And it's most certainly more accurate to say disbelief rather than just denying that they're not long, that they're that they might be coming back <laughs> or something along those lines. So um I, I love the word disbelief in their place of denial. And with anger, anger is definitely something that I I personally dealt with in my own grief experience. Uh I went through bouts of it, not for particularly long periods of time, but I can remember feeling extremely angry with life, with the universe, um, with God, you know, whatever you, you, you call, you know, in your beliefs, but just feeling why me, you know, why, why would my husband get taken away? Why would my son die? And just feeling that life was so unfair for those reasons. And uh, I can definitely think of many situations with women that I've worked with that, um, have lost a spouse and they're suddenly left with difficult financial situations or they're left with young children to raise and they absolutely are a lot justified and allowed to feel that anger around suddenly I have to take care of these things on my own and deal with these life circumstances on my own yeah and Holly yeah. I'm sure you have something I you know it's funny I have a funny story that I'll share in a second but I also want to include that not everybody gets and that's why these stages are so um but, but we're debunking them because not everybody gets angry not everybody says oh i'm so angry this happened but i will share a funny story about being angry after stephen died and as we all know the smoke detector goes off the battery goes off you know in the middle of the night it never happens at, 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 at opportune time right never at a convenient time it never happens at two o'clock in the afternoon it happens at two o'clock in the morning and i remember shortly after stephen died the smoke detector went off and I was like, oh man. And I couldn't find the nine volt battery. And I got so angry with Steven. Where did you keep the, and I'm like crying, where are the batteries? I'm so angry. And I wasn't angry when he died. I wasn't even, you know, I, I didn't go through that piece of it. I didn't feel the anger um, like so many do, but I remember that moment. And I talked about this moment. And now we're talking almost 12 years ago since he's been gone. And I remember being so angry that I couldn't find the batteries. And of course, was my anger really about the batteries? Of course not. My anger was that Stephen wasn't here, number one, to show me where the batteries are or to even change the battery. That it was now, as you said, like finances and all these other responsibilities that fall upon whether you're a widow or widower, whether even an you know, adult child, you know, a parent, an aging parent who died or, or any number of people in your life that responsibility that I had to find the battery. And, and thank goodness my son, who was um, 18 at the time, just turned 18, woke up and heard me, he said, what's wrong? I said, I can't find the nine volt battery. He said, oh, I have one of my electric guitar, just use this. <laughs> like, that was easy. So, right, so it was, you know, it's not about the battery all the time. Exactly, exactly. And, and like you said, I mean, with anger too, you know, some people might experience it and some might not. And that's, perfectly normal and acceptable. Um, yeah. And I also share, Elizabeth, um, 
and you and I've had this conversation, that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the anger is a mask for pain because sometimes it's easier to feel angry than to let ourselves go to that darker place of pain and sadness and our grief and that fear of crying. I mean, people are afraid to, they're afraid that if they start crying, they won't be able to stop, which by the way, listeners, is not physically possible. So no fret about that. But that, that anger can mask some of that pain that we are so desperately trying to suppress and stop. Yeah, yes, absolutely. It can definitely almost become like a safety zone for someone to stay yeah. stuck in so that they don't have to go into feeling those other things. And so, yeah, some people might feel angry for years and years until they're ready to look and go deeper with what's underneath the surface of that. Um, and then the next one, which if we're going, you know, going down the line, even though they don't go in any particular order in reality, um, is bargaining. And, you know, this one really, to me, is confusing when it comes to trying to apply it to someone grieving. You know, it makes plenty of sense, you know, in the way that it was originally intended for the person who is dying. But Holly, I'd love for you to talk more about this bargaining stage and and your thoughts on it. So I always say, you know, what are we bargaining for? Now, you can understand, like you said, with the terminally ill, there is this bargaining, right? That feeling as you're terminally ill of if you save my life or if you heal me or if you give me more time, I'll be a better person. I'll do all these things, you know, I'll give to my community. But when someone has died, I'm not certain what are we bargaining for? We, we can't bargain to bring them back as much as that would be nice. So I'm not sure, um, and maybe you could speak to this too, Elizabeth, as well, that what are we bargaining for? What are we seeking in right. that bargaining? You know. And I and I and I wonder if that you know people trying to look at like well you know because I know and I know that I've done this for situations um, is when you're looking back you know because we always look back to the past what could I have done differently what what might I have tried differently that might have result had different results that might have maybe this would have um, changed the results of their death or if, you know it's like we we pile that guilt on ourselves so easily looking back and thinking if I had control over these, these certain situations or circumstances, might there have been, you know, might my loved ones still be alive today even? Like to put that kind of um, stress on ourselves when in reality, we, we just don't have that kind of control. And so that's the only really, you know, that's one of the ways that I look at it as if you're trying, if you're trying to attach bargaining to the grieving process, it's really the closest I can come to, to understanding that. Yeah. And, and I almost would say it's more reflecting, you know, and I think we all reflect back on the death of our loved one and, and that different, better or more, you know, could we have done it differently? Could we have done something better or could we have done more? So to me, I look at that as a reflecting, you know, on that time yeah. in our lives. Yeah, no, that's, I like that reflecting. That, that's, um, yeah, and I think it's too just about over time, you know, as you're working through your grief and, you know, looking to shift that focus too from what you cannot control to what you can, you know, as you're, as you're working through your healing. Um, and I think that that's something that sort of automatically starts to happen as you process and work through your, um, 
your healing. And then going into depression. Um, so this one I think is very tricky because grief and depression can be, it can be so difficult to really determine the difference between the two. Cause you're like, well, am I grieving? Cause I'm feeling sad or, you know, am I, is this grief, is this sadness related to the grief or am I truly in a state of depression? And I think it's so important to speak to a doctor, to speak to a professional, um, in deciphering, you know, do I need extra support around, um, some depression? Like if it's been going on for a long period of time. And I will say that, um, for myself, and I, I felt this was important to share because I think there's a lot of stigma around um, depression and medication and grief and medication. For myself, I was actually on medicine, medication for a while, um, some antidepressants throughout the first few years after my losses. And uh, that was determined that that is what I needed at that time when, when I was talking to my doctor. And I really do feel that it did help me through, those, through that um, period of time. And so I just want to put that out there to share that because there were times, you know, when I was really struggling to even get out of bed and to function at all. And so um, that for me was extra support that I needed at that time to help me get through that. And so I just want anyone out there listening to know that if you feel like you're in that state where you're feeling stuck or where you might need additional support, to talk to your doctor and say, this is what's going on, because maybe I need to add additional modes of support, you know, keep doing that grief work, you know, we have to do that, <clears throat> get that talk therapy, but to not feel shame around, am I doing this wrong because, you know, I'm not doing X, Y, Z, or, you know, you don't have to follow a specific route, you have to go with what feels right to you and what works for you. And I never felt, I really never felt any guilt around having to go on the medication. I was like, I was grateful. I actually felt gratitude that I had um, extra resources um, available to help me through those times. Because uh, and then eventually I was able to realize, okay, I don't think I need this anymore. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's something I wanted to put out there because there can be so much shame and stigma around any, you know, mental health, medication, grief, depression. So I just wanted to say that. So Holly, please. And I want to thank you, Elizabeth. Um, there's nothing more I can say that could even follow up with that except thank you for sharing your own journey with that. Because like you said, with mental health, you know, it's, it's such a taboo. It has been such a taboo subject for such a long time. It's finally coming out into the open and we're recognizing, you know, that mental health is important. And we need to take care of our mental health and the mental health of those we love. And so your sharing this part of your story has given permission to as many listeners as we have to know that it's okay. You know, grief can lead to depression. And we need to honor where we are and wherever we are. And we don't need to suffer feelings. And go find, as, as Elizabeth said, I'll just reiterate this because I think it, it, it's important. Go find a medical professional who can diagnose what you need and somebody who also understands grief and understands that it's the grief that has led to depression and maybe, or is it grief? You know, is it both? But I just, um, I'm inspired by you in, in sharing this. Not everybody can do that. I was raised um, with a mother who has mental health issues and it was, um, and I don't know if I've ever shared that with you. 
but it was a very mm. hush hush topic and we were not to discuss it yeah. so i love that you are discussing it and again mm. i know our listeners are appreciative of that so thank you no oh, yeah i mean thank you i definitely just want to share you know that this is what worked for me and that you know that's it wasn't it wasn't out of even a feeling it didn't feel like it was a weakness either i just was like you know gosh this is hard <laughs> this is hard like life is hard um and grief is hard and you're grieving like, like like life is hard alone and then you you have a loss you have grief on top of that and it's it's sometimes can feel insurmountable and sometimes you need to look outside of places you might normally expect for for the help that that's going to help get you through and um so i i highly encourage you know to take care of yourself in that way and to like you said talk to your doctor and and see what what help you might need because it's there it's it's available you know and um when we're grieving, we can use all the help we can get. <laughs> so the the last um, of the stages is the acceptance. And this is another interesting one that really doesn't line up because when I've, anyone that I've spoken to and for myself, you know, I, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, like you, you see your loved one, you know, I, 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 w- I witnessed them um, dying or I witnessed their death and we saw them at the memorial so you know there there wasn't really there I don't recall an acceptance stage I just recall knowing this is now what the reality is and what I have to now figure out how to live with this um so I don't because I don't recall anyone ever coming either to any of the support groups that I've run and say I I'm not able to accept the reality that they're gone I mean that they're living with that truth every second you know it's just very very um in your face that, that that's the reality so i don't know what are your thoughts about acceptance so again it makes sense to me for the purpose of the stages which are for the terminally ill you know from the research and the studies i've read and, and from having a husband um who was, was diagnosed you know with an illness a terminal illness that yeah it was going and, and he went through those pretty fast i will tell you when he was diagnosed he went to the sort of the denial and he was upset at the beginning and bring angry and then I don't think he ever did bargaining. Um, and he did end up having a little bit of depression near the end of his life. And he went on Lexapro um, because we could see that he was getting depressed near the end. Um, but he accepted it. I mean, you know, and so I think that the terminally ill, it makes perfect sense. But to me and, and the studies and the research I've done on the five stages for grievers, it doesn't make as much sense in that respect. You know, and here's why we wanted to talk about the stages. Um, Elizabeth and I want to talk about them with you listeners. Because we really want you to take those stages and just like I said, put a big X through them and the BS belief system. Because yes, maybe some, maybe you're experiencing some listeners and and maybe you're not and that's okay. Because we don't want you to feel like, I can't even get this right. I can't even get this right in grief. You know, and we also don't want you to look at these as this quick fix. Well, once I get to acceptance, I'll be fine and my life will be easy again. your life can be joyful exactly. again, and that's part of the hope we'll get to at the end of the um, episode. But we really, our goal for this in discussing the stages is so that grievers don't feel like there's this whole list that they need to go through, and then they're done and they're healed. You can heal your heart. 
this just isn't the way that that happens. It's just, again, it's not that linear. It's not that, it's, it just doesn't work that way. So if you can take those and just put them in your circular file. <laughs> Elizabeth, exactly. It's just it's such an unnecessary pressure to place on ourselves as well to think, okay, this is what I have to do. This is the process. These are the steps um, because it's just not neat and tidy like that. And it's not, yeah. if it doesn't look like that or you don't experience some of these, um, you know, what they call the stages, it's, you're going to look at it and be like, well, what am I doing wrong? How could I, right. you know, why aren't I getting through this faster? Or like, oh, I should be there and now I'm back here. What's going on? And it's just, it, I think it can really mess with you um, as you're moving through your, you know, and, and everyone does this so uniquely. We all we all process and we move through our grief so uniquely and just try to like say, these are the neat and tidy steps. It's a very, very misleading in my opinion. Yeah, I had a client, and we could do a whole episode on the stages. I had a client um, who, when we talked about the stages and she said to me, she was so excited learn that they weren't intended for the griever she said she was so excited that she called her best friend and said did you know that, that the stages weren't intended for grievers because she, that was part of her belief system that this was part of grieving she couldn't figure it out because she wasn't angry because she couldn't figure out what was wrong she wasn't in denial she was so relieved and i hope listeners you are feeling the same way if you have heard these stages and said i'm not doing this right or why am i not doing this or why am i not here or waiting waiting to get to acceptance there was such great relief for this client and it really it warmed my heart and i was so happy which is why we do the work we do you know and, and helping yeah. people to see you know a, a, in a different way through a different lens no i can i can i can imagine that relief that she felt i mean i would i i would feel relieved i mean it's just it's so i mean we already put so much on ourselves and so much pressure um, yeah. as grievers we're very hard on ourselves and yeah to just not not feel like you have to attach yourself to a specific way a specific path um, I think that that can alleviate a lot of stress on yourself to know that um, so whether you're feeling any of these things or some of them or none you're normal <laughs> you're normal and you're doing you're doing good you're doing well is there anything else you want to say about the stages before we wrap up um, I think we covered it all you know, I would just remind that, everybody one of the definitions is the grief is a normal and natural reaction to loss mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly yep there's no right or wrong way <laughs> so uh, we're going to also share about uh, some things that you can say or not say for people for anyone that is has maybe tried supporting someone through the through the loss of a loved one or um, things that might have been said to you that just fell off we're going to address some of those because it, you know obviously our culture we're not very fine-tuned in the language around grief and i think that this can land people into a, a lot of uncomfortable situations and um so we're just gonna i mean there's so many we could i mean we'll probably share some on different episodes as well because they'll just come to mind that things were said to us too as Especially like in the very beginning, you're just like, oh my gosh, what did you just say to me? But one of them that this one really gets under my skin when someone says, move on, don't say move on. <laughs> just a tip. Don't say move on to someone that is, is grieving. Um, because the reality is that you don't 
you just, you're not going to move on from the loss of a, of a loved one. You're just, you're not, you're, you're going to carry them in your heart and you will learn to, to live with the loss. You will learn to honor them as you move forward, but it's not about moving on. It's about, you can say, be gentle with yourself as you're coping, you know, with this life-changing loss and allowing them, you know, almost giving them the permission in a way to just, you know, process this, you know, just cope with this in your, in your own time, in your own pace, because um, there's not going to be like a set point where they're like, okay, it's been a few months, you should have moved on by now, or it's been a year, you should have moved on. And that's not helpful in any way. (laughs) So, um, so that's, that's one, that's a big one. Please, like, let's just scratch big X through the move on statement. So here's another one. You're still grieving? You're not over it yet? And I will tell you that happened to me. This has happened to you, Elizabeth. I can remember somebody saying to me, he was probably gone maybe a year or two. And I was having a grief day. I was having a grief moment. I was in the gym and this woman who I knew, not well, but someone I knew from the gym and said to me, what's wrong? And I said, I'm having a grief day. She said, still? And I thought, hmm, yes, still. Because we, as we all know, grief ebbs and flows and we sometimes have these stimulus responses and our grief pops up in different ways at different times. So here's what you could say. I'm here to sit in the darkness and the light with you wherever you are in the moment. The most important part of that is I'm here. I'm here. I can't know how you feel, but I'm here. I'm here to sit with you in the pain. So don't try to fix it. Grievers don't need to be fixed. They're not broken. They just need to be heard with respect and dignity. Yeah, that's that's a very, very good one. I love that. Um, Another one is you don't want to say, I know how you feel. Even if you've experienced something similar, which, you know, you might maybe in some ways can imagine how, how difficult or how heavy it is. You can't know that person's specific experience. You know, we each have our own um, relationship with our losses and the relationship to the loved one that died. So in a way that can kind of feel minimizing. So I think it's important to know that that's not the best way to go about trying to connect with a person with what they're feeling. But you could say, I can't know how you feel, but I am here. Um, and again, just stating that you are there, you are present, you're there for them. But that you, it's, the truth is that you can't know exactly what they're going through and exactly what they're feeling. And that's much more of a validating feeling for them. And also just, just assuring them that you're there, even, even though you can't know the ins and outs of everything, you're, you're, you're there for them. Yeah, and I would add, you know, I, I can't know how you feel. You know, I, I'm here. Also, the, I don't know how you feel. What I do know is how I felt when this happened to me. If you've experienced mm-hmm. a similar loss, at best, I know how yeah. I felt when my loss happened to me. Because like you said, we're yeah. all unique and individual, just like our relationships. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So now that we've given you a few tips um, on what to say and not to say to grievers, we want you to give yourself and your grieving loved ones, whether it be a friend, a coworker, or whomever in your life is grieving, as well as yourself, permission to feel the feelings. 
Grief is a normal and natural response to loss. And what we can tell you is that you will not be miserable forever. We are proof positive of that, Elizabeth and I. And take it one step at a time, one moment at a time, and seek support from someone who does specialize in grief, whether it be a therapist, a grief specialist, or a grief coach. Find that support for yourself as you move forward for your grief journey. So we hope that our discussion today was very helpful for you around the myths surrounding the five stages of grief. Um, Holly and I both hope that it's been helpful for you as the griever to understand that these stages were not meant for you and that hopefully you can find some relief in knowing and understanding that. And also our sharing around what not to say, what to say, uh, those are always helpful tips you can take with you um, that you can use for yourself or that you can share with your loved ones if um, you feel they could use some extra support in how to help you. <laughs> and I thought I'd end on a quote. Uh, this is a quote from my new book, uh, The Creative Grieving Workbook. You have permission to heal in a way that feels authentic to you. No one can know what your mind, body, and soul need more than you. Trust that inner guidance and remain open to your heart wisdom. That's beautiful, Elizabeth. Thank you for sharing that. It's always such an honor to sit beside you, you know, and do this podcast. So I thank you for um, it's really being beside me on this journey, on this new journey in our lives. And listeners, we thank you for joining us. We do hope that you received what you needed um, in this half hour. We ask that you go to Creating Space for Grief and Hope and follow us, subscribe to us, and certainly rate us and share our, our podcast with those you know, those who are grieving and those who know grievers, because we're all grievers in one way or another. So thank you very much. Thank you, Elizabeth. And we look forward to having you join us next month. Thank you all so much and have a beautiful week. Have a good one. See you next time. 